they'll get through it because it's it's New York, but it's hard. We're all working really hard on this on this big story that is a story that we're all living at the same time. Um, it's the longest live briefing that the that the New York Times has ever had. That everyone kind of makes their own decisions about who to trust. We probably won't be returning before September. Well, everything to me has been drastic and surprising. Norway, it was just a, a big difference and a change that I hadn't ever had before, so that memory really stands out. Hi and welcome to Awesome Media House podcast. My name is Chaitra. The guest for today's episode is Marielle Padilla. The Columbia University graduate currently covers the whole gamut of national news from the mass shooting and the natural disasters to the criminal justice system. Previously interned at the Cincinnati Enquirer, where she contributed to the Pulitzer Prize winning project Seven Days of Heroin. Let us welcome the breaking news reporter from the New York Times, Marielle. Thank you for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Uh, could you tell our listeners how you are part of Oslo Media House? As you mentioned, I contributed to a Pulitzer Prize winning project um, in Cincinnati a couple summers ago. And after that award came out, um, Oslo Media House reached out to me to come speak at a conference uh, in Oslo in 2018. So that's when I was introduced to the to the Media House. So uh, COVID-19 is keeping millions of people across the globe homebound. What have you been doing these days of self-isolation? So I'm still working. Uh, I keep regular hours, but I've actually moved uh, back to my hometown home for the meantime. Um, so I was in New York City, but uh, we started working from home in early March. And so after a couple days of that, I decided to leave the city and go uh, stay with my parents in Indiana. So that's where I've been since early March. Okay, so you're working from home uh, from Indiana, not in New York at the moment. Correct. Okay, how is it working from home? How do you feel? Uh, like, are you more productive than before? I don't know if I'd say more productive. It's definitely different trying to uh, get all my work done from home outside of a newsroom. Um, but it, it's been okay. I've been able to do a lot of my reporting from the phone um, and lots of communication with the other journalists in the newsroom and my editors. Um, they call me now instead of just walking over to my desk. But it's it's been working. Uh, as a journalist reporting to New York Times, how are you coping with such crisis? Yes, uh, that's a good question. I think the newsroom has really been supportive of us, um, and I think they've acknowledged that we're all working really hard on this on this big story that is a story that we're all living at the same time. So it's it's kind of traumatic in that way. Uh, but they've provided resources and they've encouraged us to take more personal days if we need it. And um, we spoke to a, like a therapist the other day. Um, so they've been really good about helping us, but we're still working, still working hard. 
Yeah, oh, what the ter- you mentioned about the therapist, is it from the workspace do you have or? Yeah, actually he was a doctor who just kind of did a Zoom call with a lot of us and he told us different strategies that we can use to cope and keep our, our mental health up and our mental and emotional stamina and how to keep keep working during a time like this. Oh, wow, that's, that's good. Yeah, it was it was great. It was great to hear from him. Yes. And I read the news online about the New York subway closing after 115 years for certain hours so they can disinfect the trains. Yes. So uh, how's that been? How's people taking that? Like, Well, I haven't been in the city, like I said, but I have been talking to a lot of my friends who stayed. And it seems like most people hadn't been using the subway for a month anyways. Um but it is, it's crazy that they had to close it down for the first time. Um, I think it's, it might be affecting some like essential care workers who use it, uh, but they did choose a couple hours in the night where I think they kind of minimized that risk. Yes, I read it's about from 1 a.m. to until 5 a.m. Mm-hmm. The trains are closed, but yet it is like, it's bizarre to know that it's been closed like, it's been running since 1904, if I'm not wrong. Right. <laughs> yeah, it's, a tw- it's 24 hours normally. Yeah, so that's been happening. And uh, how's New York taking uh, things there? And how's the things in Indiana? Yeah, uh, well, New York has been hit pretty hard by the epidemic, as I'm sure you know. Um, they told people, a lot of people have been working from home. People have been social distancing and from what my friends back there have been telling me it's it's been hard to stay uh, cooped up this long um, they encourage people to go outside to get some air but it's hard in a city that dense to also keep the social distancing um, but I mean it's a strong city and I think people are really coming together and they'll get through it because it's it's New York but it's hard of course um, Indiana it's much different here I have a lawn and um, I can go on walks with my parents around the block without worrying about running into crowds Um, but I haven't really left left my my block in in weeks so yeah you're self-quarantined with your family correct but we're like all working on comparatively how it's been reporting and do you get enough work or yeah so the times has actually been Uh, maintaining this live briefing and it was launched on January 23 I believe and it has been going non-stop since so that's 24-7 it's updated every hour Um, it's the longest live briefing that the that the New York Times has ever had Um, and so I've been helping with that and right now there are I think four live briefings going on there's the the national live briefing that's always updated a global one um, a markets one and I think there's there's another that I oh and a New York one all right so I've been we've been having to kind of maintain those 24 7 so we all have shifts and I've been helping out with that Um, so there's always more work to be done especially with with a pandemic that's touching so many parts of the world and so many different industries and aspects of human life so I I feel like yeah, there's so much for me to be doing right now. And also, like, 
it's work from home so you have to set up your own studio you have to make sure you have all the technical things on spot before you start work right right so what is your opinion on the current state of media industry with too many information online are they losing credibility in a way well i think that is a question and and a problem that has been around for so long now especially with the internet um and i'm i mean even before that there was problems with fake news and and public trust i think the current state of the media is is overwhelmed with information but i also think that people now turn to specific uh, sources that they trust um and a lot of times that's people close to them but i think that everyone kind of makes their own decisions about who to trust and I don't know if that's I don't know if that's a bad thing but there it definitely is a problem. I'm like you work for New York Times and I would like to know about your workplace how it has been and how is it going to be do you have any information on that like when you would be actually getting back and working with your colleagues in your office? Oh yeah. Uh well they when when we first went work from home they kind of gave us a tentative date um but then that date obviously moved back and then it moved back again so eventually they said we'll just let you know a couple weeks before um we come back because it was so hard for anyone to be able to predict that kind of thing um and so now they've told us that we probably won't be returning before September at this point so but that's still not definite either it's kind of just we're all kind of just playing it by ear and kind of waiting to see what the numbers and what the officials and and what science um shows cuz every day there's there's new information what is your vision for the next year how will pandemic restrict the society and its impact on the economy well it's not looking good <laughs> um I I'm I mean I'm cautious to make predictions because this time it's it's I don't know who predicted this um and I yeah I don't want to get ahead of myself by saying what I think is going to happen because I know whatever I say is not going to happen but I don't know I think it's going to be a slow a slow return and I'm not sure if we'll ever get back to to peak normal um but I think that I think that things are going to kind of slowly start to return to more familiar more familiar at least within the next year. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, and have you noticed any drastic or surprising changes in uh, the society? Yeah. Well, everything to me has been drastic and surprising. If you had told me 1 month before we started working from home that everything would shut down and that people would be forced to work from home or that the subway would close I would have thought that that was impossible um so I think yeah this everything about this situation has been um surprising to me and and I think that a lot of people were shocked especially at how fast things could shut down um yeah I think yeah I think that everyone was just kind of still reeling um when this all started happening yes and i think we are now we are getting hang of it like yeah we have to think a step ahead and uh, planning how much do you know about how the state is taking care of the people and the society to function it really well in the us 
Um, I mean, we had our our task force, our White House coronavirus task force, and they've been working with, you know, health officials. And um, I think each state is kind of uh, leading its own. So each state is kind of deciding for its state what what will work best for the people. Um, as to how well they're doing that, I'm definitely not qualified to to comment, but it, I mean, it is my job to inform people. So we have been keeping track of every state's um, changes and all of their new regulations. And we've actually been doing a pretty good job, I think, of keeping a comprehensive data set across the country. Um, and I mean, if you go to the New York Times website, you can see that each state has a different breakdown um, so we've been trying to follow all of that really closely for the people as well. Yes, I would like to know about the Pulitzer Prize winning project, Seven Days of Heroin. Could you tell us a little bit about that? Sure, sure. Um, that's what brought me to the Oslo Media House. So um, that was in the summer of 2017. I, yes, it was the summer after I graduated. And it was a newsroom, the whole newsroom was working on this project to kind of try to document how the opioid epidemic was affecting the Cincinnati community. And so the entire newsroom um, for a week just spread out and tried to report and capture all of these daily moments across the city um, from as many angles as we could think of. So I went to jails um, and looked through court records to try to find like uh, drug-related arrests. Other people went to hospitals. Some people did drive-alongs with police officers. Others visited homeless communities under bridges. Um, I went to a like a family services um, place where families who have been separated because of drug-related issues. Um, could meet with each other so I observed that and it was it was a project that was really trying to bring this problem to a to a human level um, and kind of show how it's affecting everyone of all ages and of all socioeconomic backgrounds so yeah we compiled a, a week of what this looks like and it was a multimedia project with audio and video and photo and of course words um, and so yeah it, it won the Pulitzer uh, for local reporting in 2018. Congratulations for that. And also, uh, could you share the link or could you just direct us where we could find this project online so our listeners could follow it? Sure. If you go to the CincinnatiInquirer.com uh, or the Cincinnati Inquirer's website, I'm not sure if it's that's the website, um, but you should be able to find it on, on their website. And then if you can't, um, you could try to f go to the Pulitzer page itself and look for 2018 local news uh, reporting, and it should be there as well. And uh, before we end this podcast, uh, would you like to share a memory connected to Oslo Media House? I came to Oslo in 2018, and it was the first time that I had ever been to Norway. Um, so I think that whole memory, that whole experience um, really stands out just just meeting so many new people and talking about what journalism in um, Norway it was just a, a big difference and a change that I hadn't ever had before so that memory really stands out and uh, also when would be seeing you next in Oslo <laughs> <laughs> I don't know there are no plans uh, made yet but hopefully eventually 
Yes, eventually. I hope you could come back again and uh, talk about journalism in New York and we get an insight about it. So uh, I hope that happens. Finger crossed. <laughs> me too. Me too. <laughs> so it's been pleasure talking to you, Marielle. Yes, this has been great. And thank you so much for joining me today and sharing your thoughts and experiences. That's all for today's episode. And thank you for listening to us. This is Chaitra signing off.